You're listening to American Citizens, a Manchester City podcast by American journalists. Sterling. Tight, but he keeps it in, and De Bruyne is there! And it is dead level now. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! Your hosts, Josh Webb and Gray Patrick. Hey, everybody, and welcome to City Watch's American Citizens podcast. We're a little late this week, but that's okay. Um, my name is Gray. I'm with Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello. And we're going to get right into, well, this is a two-parter, really. We're going to focus the first half of this podcast on... The bitters. The, yeah, <laughs> on City versus Everton, and the second half we're going to focus on the. Not, I suppose they're not the bitters. The the best. Yeah, the Barcelona preview. So we're gonna go. We're, we'll split this about a half hour each way and talk about each game as we get into performances and previews. So we're gonna start with what's already done. City held 1-1 at home on Saturday by Everton. The meeting of the minds between the former Barca teammates Pep Guardiola and Ronald Koeman. Um, Ronald Lukaku put the visitors ahead in the 64th minute, I believe it was. A spectacular run in goal, by the way. It was a very nice finish. Um, I still think Bravo gave him too much of the far post, but then again... Looking at Bravo's height, if he comes out further, Lukaku has the near post. So, you know, what do you do? Um, yeah. So at that moment, with everything all looking lost, well, not really, but to some people perhaps, um, a mere minute after coming on as a substitute, Nolito popped up with the headed equalizer in the 72nd minute. Um, City had their chance. Is it just me, or did you just like... When the Lido's equalizer, like, I sort of missed it. Yes. Like, like it was just right like, off. wait a minute, we scored? Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> pretty much. Um, but I think the general thing, obviously, City missed two penalties, which we are going to get into. Um, but the general takeaway I saw was they were well on top. They just didn't score. And so the, the first thing, does it concern you? How does it make you feel to drop points like that while performing in a game that they pretty well controlled the whole way through? Is it a fluke or is it just sort of something sim- symptomatic of something else in this side right now? I think, honestly, it's just football, man. Like, if you look at that ever team, they're by no means slouchy. They've got speed and talent on those wings. And... For all the um, 
I don't know. For all the clubs he's managed, I don't think Ronald Koeman gets enough credit. Like, Koeman is a much more exciting version of Louis Van Hall in that he'll play a similar style when they can, but when he knows they're going to be outmatched, he knows how to set his team up with a brilliant uh, brilliant counterattack. Like, Pep comes out with what essentially amounted to, like, a 3-2-2-3 was basically, you know, what most people agreed that it was. And so to counteract that, Kuman lines up with a 4-3-3, uh, giving him the extra man in the midfield. And uh, it just, it's it wasn't surprising to me that the visitors went up first because... For all the possession that City had, it was pointless. It was pointless possession. There was nothing penetrating. There was nothing, you know, it's like it's like Pep said in his, his post-game press conferences. There were great crosses, but there was no one in the box to meet them. We had space, but there was no one there to help take advantage of it. It was just a series of things that City did to themselves. And as you said, I think, you know, we'll get to the penalties in a minute. But you missed two penalties on your own home turf. One of which is because, you know, City's supposedly world-class player decided to change his penalty in mid-run-up, which everybody knows is a cardinal sin. Uh... And that, I'm speaking, of course, about De Bruyne, who admitted that he changed his mind during the run-up, and, and you can't do that. And it showed. It was it was, a, it was a ridiculously easy save. Straight out of Pep Confidential. Remember that part of Pep Confidential? Yeah, Super Cup take against your Chelsea. spot. And take I've a said spot, it on... stick to the spot, you will score. And I've said that on this podcast before, you know? You need to stick to your spot and score. And then... Um... I don't really know where to begin with, with, I understand the lineup, kinda. I don't know if it was the best, um, but when you have Barca on Tuesday, I will allow... Yeah, that's the, that's the priority, isn't it? It... It seems to be the mandate, doesn't it? In a certain sense, I suppose that's the one. And I think in a certain sense, you you, you, you think that maybe you can win this one with that lineup without... Um, obviously, they didn't. But I would make the case that they should have anyway. Yeah, just the final score should have been 3-1. Right. Um, I think I have a hard time being upset over it because, like you said, they played well. They didn't play well when they were needed to get on the end of things, and they didn't play well when they were given penalties. It is a performance that I think, you know, I would say eight, nine times out of ten, they win that game. So it's not a situation like Spurs or even Celtic where you look at this and you're like, eh. It was more, well... They didn't have the cutting edge today, and it hurt them. It cost them, and they dropped points. It's something that I struggle to get upset about, though, because they performed, I think, well enough to win. And like you said, I think you put it very well, that's football. That happens sometimes. I remember last year the game they played against West Ham where they lost 2-1, and it was just sort of a case of, 
they spent an hour of that game battering them and they didn't win or they didn't even draw. Yeah, it's that that's the game that sticks out in my mind. It's just like, you know, I just have a hard time making myself upset when they played well but not it was I don't want to use the word fluke. I think that's unfair to Everton, but at the same time no, Kuman set up brilliantly. Right. I mean, he he knew what Pep was going to do, and 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 he set his tactics up accordingly. To say that it was a fluke would be to take away from Everton. Um, but you know, I think you and I both agree. You know, some smarter some smarter decisions on those penalties in this game's well without a, out, out of reach for Everton, and I don't right. think they have the firepower to engage in a shootout with City. So it's it's hard to be upset about it when it's your own team that did it to themselves, you know? It's like when you make a mistake, it's like, well, you can get upset about it, but the only person you have to blame is yourself. Yep, and Stecklenburg had a worldly. Um, even beyond the penalties, which I know we're going to talk yeah, about. But, the, but that, the, the, save. that save on De Bruyne was amazing. Yeah, so, you know, credit to them, credit to him. Um, I, I don't know what else you could say, but um, but the fact that, yeah, they they had their chance. They had their chance. They had their chances, and it just didn't happen for them. So let's let's go right to it. Um, you know, I, I, the thing I was I was going to say was roughly um, if if. If City go ahead, say, I don't know, 1-0 one, one on the De Bruyne one, which was in the first half, I believe. And I, I don't remember, did, did Aguero's penalty come when they were level or before Everton had scored their first? Do you remember? Uh, I believe Aguero's penalty came just... It, I believe oh, Aguero's it come, was it in the 69th. Come, yeah. yeah, Aguero's um, penalty... We. City were still trailing because I think Melito scored on 72. Yes, he did. So, you know, the first one in particular, if they go 1 0 up, I'm not sure Everton come back into the game because that just messes up their entire game plan. Um, obviously, we can agree it's a different result if, if they. Um, if they if they make the penalties, so it's it's sort of a, a, a fluke case. And you, I know, were remarking on Stecklenberg's positioning, and I'll let you go into that if you want to. Yeah, and the funny part is is that people seem to mistake well Everton bitter fans in general who are probably upset that this thing became a draw instead of a win for them. So, of course, they had to fill my timeline with their crying and complaining. Um, I merely pointed out that Stecklenberg was off his line on both penalties. And the common response from a lot of Everton fans is, all the goalkeepers do. Well, that's immaterial. The point is, he's not supposed to come off his line. And on the Aguero penalty... You can clearly see him jump forward before Aguero makes it makes connection with the ball. Now, De Bruyne, he kind of stutter steps, so I will forgive that one. It's 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 whatever. But per the rules, Stecklenberg should have been given a yellow and it should have been retaken. He was off his line and he was a decent margin off his line. Probably about a foot. Um, and when you're talking about, and, and you know this being a baseball guy, 
when you're talking about shortening that distance with a huge ball, that's a major advantage to the goalkeeper instead of the guy taking the penalty. I mean, the closer he can get to the guy taking the penalty, the better chance he has of, 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 of stopping the shot. That's why coaches insist that their players stay tight to, to, to one another and to not give players space. Because if you give them space, they can hurt you. Um, now, while that's true, here's another truth. Neither one of those penalties were good at all. Uh, De Bruyne admitted that he changed his mind during the run-up. We've already covered that that's the biggest cardinal sin you can do in penalties. And to be quite frank, I'm not sure Sergio Aguero is, you know, a, a spot-on penalty taker. I mean, he's a world-class striker, but whether it's Argentina or City, I'm never confident when he steps up to take a penalty. And I know that's part of your next question, so if you want to jump into that right now, uh, we can, or if you want to stay focused on where we're at, um, the thing, the, the, the wrap-up that I'd say about Stecklenburg being off of his line is that it's, it's something that is. It's not an excuse. It's not a, oh, City totally would have had it if Stecklenburg wouldn't have been off his line. No, there's no guarantees that those, those kicks would have gone in or that Stecklenburg couldn't have saved them anyway. As we saw in the game, he pulled off a worldie against De Bruyne, and he didn't have to come off his line for that one. So, I mean, the guy was having a day, and you give him credit for that. But that doesn't change the fact that he was off his line, and it's against the rule. Now, the funny part about this is, is that the bitters, you know, they, they, they got all over us and, and, and started, you know, saying crying and this, that, and the other. But I seem to recall... A, a video and a, and, a, and a still photo of Raheem Sterling's, uh, you know, ball that had completely crossed the line um, going around after Everton lost. So I guess it's okay for them to do it. It's just not okay for somebody else to make an observation, which is really weird to me because that's all it was. It was an observation. Prior to posting the video of Stecklenburg coming off his line, I had slated City in like four or five different tweets talking about how Manel Esiarte, who was famous for that quote that you mentioned, uh, you know, he was sort of one of these guys that's supposed to help City become more refined in their penalty taking. We've not seen much of that. Maybe City do need to look at another penalty taker. Maybe this isn't Aguero's gig or shouldn't be Aguero's gig. I think people forget that both things can be true. It can be an awful penalty taken by Manchester City and Stecklenburg can illegally have been off his line at the time the penalty was taken. You know, you brought up baseball, and up until this year, there was a thing called the neighborhood play, which was, you know, it's been eliminated now because they made new rules on slides into second base, but it has, it used to be on a double play ball when it was, well, ball was thrown to second, um, 
if you were close enough to second base, you didn't have to touch it, they would give you the out because they knew that someone was going to come sliding in there trying to take you out, and they're trying to protect players. Um, And I will remind you, and I know you remember this, we discussed this after the Stoke game when the issue was um, fouls in the box and how strictly they would be enforced. Um, It's a quest, it's, it's, it's simply a matter of Yes, it's illegal, but are you going to really enforce it? The answer has always been no. Yeah. It still is no, um, apparently. And uh, frankly, after that whole shenanigans with the, the Stoke player, the, the penalties in the box and all that, haven't seen all that much of it since yeah. then. So it's like we've just gone back to sort of... You the know, way things were, really. A wink it, and a nod, nod and ignoring the, you know, the letter of the law to to just sort of, eh, we'll let it fly. So, And all my tweet said was by rule. It's not like I added in there, I think it should have been a retake in the yellow. I simply said, by rule, this should have been a retake in the yellow. <clears throat> now, frankly, I don't care. It's not that big of a deal. City got the point, and they're still sitting at the top of the table. The worst that can possibly happen to them this week uh, is is Liverpool hanging like five-plus on United and, and, and thus knocking City into second place via goal differential. But even then, City are, are scoring machines, so we're not talking about something that can't be easily overcome. Everton are not going to finish in the top four. It, it, it really doesn't matter what happens. Everton are not going to finish in the top four. So it's pointless to get upset over something as simple as a penalty that could have been called, wasn't called. It doesn't really matter. Like, it, the truth is, it doesn't matter. I would even go one step further, and I kind of want to talk to you about this. I really didn't think that the foul on Silva was a foul. I watched that thing like three different times, and I saw him get the ball. Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I go back and forth on it. Um, which one was the, the first one or the second one are you talking about? I, were they both on Silva? I'm talking about the one at the dead top. At the, at the very, very top of the penalty box. Um... Uh, I think it was the one that Aguero took. Yeah. See, I thought that was a penalty, but, you know, we can disagree. See, I, 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 I don't know much think that it was a penalty. And and at least one of them wasn't. I, I, I can't remember which one it was. I, I had surgery yesterday after the damn game. That's so why I'm we're coming at you late, by the way. Yeah, that's, that's why we're coming at you late, by the way. Um. But, uh, yeah, it, it really just boils down to the fact that City had their chances in other in – other, if, if you're blaming a penalty for the loss, that's like saying, well, if he would have made that field goal, we would have won. True, but what about all those other trips to the red zone where you settled for field goals instead of seven? Those things add up, too. You know, it's it's the fallacy of the predetermined outcome. The only thing that was being made by the Stecklenburg Post was an observation. I didn't tag the FA. I didn't tag the Premier League. I simply tweeted a video that said, I didn't even say Everton. 
I said Stecklenburg was off his line. By rule, should have been a retake in the yellow. That's it. Harmel says that. And the reaction from the Everton fans said to me that they're more upset than the lead. Because I think Lukaku's goal was a fantastic bit of play. Like, okay, first of all, John Stones made a dumbass mistake. We can get that right out of the way. John Stones had no business doing that. When you're one of two people back there protecting that, you have no business coming out that far. And he needs to be upbraided for that to the highest degree. That said, everything else was all on Lukaku. He had to set the pace. He had to stutter and get around Clichy. And then he had to finish that. If you look at the way Everton scored their goal, they were looking far more clinical than City. And then you sort of had this, how the hell did that just happen goal with Nolito? You know? And and it just feels to me like Everton fans, the bitters, are more upset about the fact that they got a draw out of this than City fans are. Like... It's a draw. City are still at the top. If it were a loss, I'd have some bigger gripes. But anytime you can get a point when you were trailing one nothing, kind of that late in the game and you, you hadn't really been playing well, getting a draw out of there is just fine, home or away. It's still a point, you know? And, and, and you need those points. All of these points add up. Like, right now... If United beat Liverpool, then, hey, City are still back up top and everything, life is crazy. Life is gravy. But does anyone have any faith that United are about to beat Liverpool? I guess we're about to find out. We are. And we'll, I, you'll know by the time you hear this, but we, we don't right now. So um, They just literally just kicked off. Yes. So, but, uh, yeah, it, it's gone. No, yeah, I was, you know, I, I, you know, your your concerns are well heard, but it's, you know, it's one of those things that they just never call. Yeah. And it's, that is annoying. You know, I remember, I remember Willie Caballero doing that in the mm-hmm. only shootout last year at Wembley. Um, mm-hmm. Probably this exact same thing. And, you know, it's never one of those things that just gets hand-waved by referees, um, for better or worse. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, that let, let's transition right into that next question, because it's kind of going to transition to our... Is there anything else that you wanted to say about the Everton game? No, just that I think that Ronald Koeman was the right hire for Everton. I think you can see, just in a short amount of time, how much better Everton are playing... Uh, now that Martinez imagine, is gone. Imagine yeah. Roberto Martinez up in that game against Guardiola. Oh, uh, God, it would have been it would have been like a ten nothing thrashing. It would have been bad. Um, they do oh. not defend like that under Martinez. Kuman has done very good work for them so far. They started very well, and like you said, full credit to them for getting a point out of that. That was, you know, in a certain sense it wasn't, but in a certain sense it was deserved. They played very well. They had the right game plan. And, you know, credit to them. Um, so let's go right to the question of the hour then. If City win a penalty against Barca at the new camp and Sergio Aguero steps up to take it, how will you feel? Not 
I'll feel like he can bury it, but I'll also feel like he can miss it just as easily. And the problem is, the, the next question... There's is, no Balotelli! Right, you know what that's I mean? a very good point, because that was at least right into my next question. You know, is there anyone on in this squad that you would feel confident if they stepped up? Gundogan's sitting at 100%. I might feel mighty confident with him. Who's that? Gundogan. Oh, yeah. Oh, As a matter of fact, the first penalty Gundogan ever took in his entire life was in the Champions League final That's with right. his team trailing. That's right. Um, it know, doesn't get much more pressure than that. No, it doesn't. So, I guess the, the answer is I would feel nervy about it also. Um, but I guess the the question becomes, is this a mental, what is it? What do we do? You know, because that's two, you can't miss two penalties in one game at home. You can't do it. It's not, no. not acceptable. And well, it was and two missed two penalties on the weekend after missing two penalties in the same game in another game, you know? Yeah. I appreciate that Guardiola's throwing his support behind Aguero, but whatever support he's throwing behind him, it's not it's not bearing fruit. Is it? Yeah. Is it confidence? Is it something else? You know, I'm just curious. Well, I don't know what it is because it's. You know, I kind of got into this on Twitter with somebody. You know, Lloyd, Lloyd Scrag said that this is about mentality, and I vehemently disagree. When you're talking about mentality, you're talking about the mindset of the player. And if you're going to question a player's mentality, then you'd better have a specific thing that you're targeting. What's his mentality? Does he not want to score? Is that what you're saying is wrong with his mentality? You know, I don't think it's mentality, man. Much like really good hitters in baseball, players go through slumps. And Aguero's been having a penalty-taking slump. And it happens to coincide with Lionel Messi's inability to bury a penalty. And Guardiola even admits that he, the team does not practice penalty taking. And I want to say that's something that doesn't bother me, nor should it bother anyone. Because simply point blank, there is no, there's no replicating the environment of taking a penalty in a game. You can't. You really can't. You can't add the nerves. You can't add the score. You can't add the gravity of the situation. All you can basically do is stick your own goaltender in net against your own player and let him start kicking the ball. Maybe that helps your team improve, but personally, I think it's a waste of time. The only way you find out who your penalty takers are is by letting different people try it and see what works. Mario Balotelli was by far and away not the greatest player in the world, even during his time at City. But you know what? Everybody in the world felt confident when that man stepped up to take a penalty. They knew what was going in. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, and I guess Guardiola has said that he, you know, he's going to leave it to his players. And I, you know, whatever. He's done that with a couple things. The captaincy as well as another thing. But um, you, you look at it and you're like, you know, you don't want to show like a lack of faith in Aguero, but at the same time you want to see, you know, it, I think it might be time to sort of, you know, spread the wealth around a little bit. Um, um, you know, you mentioned Gundawan. I think, 
I think if De Bruyne can learn from that silly mistake that he made, then he would be okay at it. He just needs to, you know, we're going to keep drilling this. Pick a spot, commit to the spot, watch, watch yourself in your head, score in that spot, um, and just do it. But, you know, I think... The, I, I guess it's a question of how many reliable Fernandinho, I believe, has taken them at some point, I want to say. Um... Fernandinho is is fifty percent on his penalties. Okay, so not great. Um, no. <laughs> uh, I, I was actually reading an article on this earlier that I'm trying to to pull up. Um, I think it was Gundogan. Okay, Gundogan should take. Um, yeah, I think this is it. Okay. A quick scan of the penalty records. This is from Manchester Evening News. Uh, a quick scan of of uh, the penalty records of City squad reveals that German international is the only player with a hundred percent record, apart from Kalechi and Nacho, who's only taken one. So you got to take that sample size away. Uh, Gundogan was not even the regular penalty taker when when he took that penalty in the Champions League final, but Lewandowski had 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 one saved by Manuel Neuer a few weeks earlier. So at the time, Jurgen Klopp thought, "I'm going to change this thing up and let Ilke take it." Well, that worked. Uh, Sergio Aguero has now lit, missed five of his last twelve. Uh, as well as the one he fluffed on City's last visit to the new camp. But his overall record remains 29 out of 37, which is not really that impressive for a penalty taker. Um, Nolito comes in the running, having tucked away six out of eight, while De Bruyne has, is now at 66%, having scored two out of three. Fernandino has scored 11 while missing six, uh, and Kolarov and Silva are both 50%. Kolarov is three of six, and Silva is one of two. So, yeah, uh, it's just, it feels like City don't have that one reliable penalty taker. They've, they, you look at some other teams, um, they have guys that they can pretty comfortably hand it to and think, okay, we're probably going to score here. It doesn't feel like City have that anymore, and I guess that, that begs the question, you know. Obviously, it depends on who's on the pitch at any given point. But it's a problem, I think. We can say we, we downplayed it after the, the Bucharest King because it was so early in the season. But And because it was already a blowout. Right. So you, you but, forget Sergio Aguero for that. But missing five out of yeah, your last that's, 12, that's good. you can't ignore that. It's, it's becoming, you know, and it's not just, you know, I think the defense I used at the time was it seems to be worse in the Champions League than in the Premier League. Well, this was in the Premier League and he missed it. So I don't. I don't have an easy solution for you, except, you know, test it out, see what happens. Um, but at the same time, I think it's become an issue. We're, we're watching players, good players, who just, I, I guess I'd say they seem to get the yips, or they, they second-guess themselves, or they just don't take great penalties right now. And, you know, I, I don't know how where you go from there. I would be interested really interested actually to see how Gabriel Jesus slots in when he comes over because 
traditionally speaking, Brazilians are rather quite brilliant at tucking away penalties. Uh, and and Jesus is obviously a, a goal scorer's goal scorer. I'd be interested to see what his record, if any, from the spot is. And, you know, if you get someone like that and he starts playing on a more regular and consistent basis, I wouldn't be opposed to letting a young guy like that take the penalties, even if anything else, because he's too naive. That confidence is there, you know? Whereas Aguero, I mean, he's coming up on the age of 30. I don't think he's going to get any better than he has been at penalties, you know? Yeah, maybe he will, I'm, maybe he won't, but youth, I don't think youth, he will. It's just not, I don't really care about youth at all. It's not, it's not something I worry about much. It's just sort of, you know, are you good at it or not? It's That doesn't need an age on it. So, yeah, I, I hear you there. Um Let's 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 tackle I guess the the Barcelona issue then, because, um, you know I wonder if in a certain sense Guardiola wasn't testing something out because he uh, notably went without uh, he he left Zabaleta on the bench on Saturday and played that sort of three at the back thing that that three two two three that you talked about I believe it was, um. It wouldn't surprise me if he... I swear to God, if Pep Guardiola tries playing three at the back again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, we, we did say that, you know, I don't we I don't think you have much of a choice it, but to throw Zabaleta to the Wolves, basically, and hope that it doesn't end up terrible. But, you know, we're in a tough spot here. I don't think there's any disputing that. Um... I'm not sure how he'll go about this, but it's Barcelona at the new camp coming up this week, and it's, it's hard for me to see them getting anything from it right now, which I, I don't well, like to say, but... What's wrong with Angelino and Maffeo? <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to throw them into that? Honestly, I don't care. Like, if the guy has speed and can play... How many times have we seen young players... The problem players with Angelino that we've discussed is that he hasn't shown much of a com- com- ability to defend much. Yeah, that's kind Which of is, true. you know, you, you're, you're gonna... You, I, I wouldn't throw a guy who has, you know... But he has speed! He which has is the speed, thing. but at the same time, I don't... He can recover well, and if he can do just enough to sort of hold the play up and allow much better defenders to get down there and aid him, then I think it could work out. But, look, man, I don't know. I just... I assume it would be Neymar going up against Zabaleta, right? That would be my assumption, yes. Right, yeah. That's going to go over well. Right. One of the fastest and deadliest players in all of soccer going up against the guy who, by all accounts, is on the tail end of his career and has articles being written basically stating, please stop doing this to him. It's it's unfair to him and to City fans who do not wish to remember Zabaleta this way. And now, and now you're going to throw him up against Neymar? Maybe Zabaleta surprises, but if I were a betting man, I would not put any money on it. Zero. I wouldn't even put your money on it. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I hear you completely. I don't think they have a good option because, you know, Angelino is a left-footed player. Uh, Maffeo is the right-footed player. And we don't know how he would respond to that. We just, there's no way of knowing. Um, you know, and the Andino is an option. He, he did option. play right back uh, early on in his career at Brazil, and he sort of shown himself to be a uh, maybe a jack of all trades, yeah. if you will. This feels like a game where Guardiola might spring a surprise on us because this is one of those big games where you know he might think hard about it. Maybe you could argue outthink himself. But, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Fernandinho was moved around and just sort of, please, please save us, if only for yeah. this game. That would not shock me. Um, but like I said, I just don't, I don't see a great option. And that's the, and that's the heart of the problem. They are between a rock and a hard place. Um, and I'm interested to see if, if and how he will try to... Um, control a game against Barcelona. Well, look, there's people get defeated, and this has been mentioned so many times. People get defeated before they even step foot onto the pitch of the camp, of the now camp. Um, they look at Barcelona and they're like, they're you know, Messi, Neymar, Suarez. We can't beat them. Well, if that were really the case, then why are Atletico sitting at the top rather comfortably? Uh, look, this Barcelona team can be beaten. They're very weak at the back. Uh, there's no doubt that their trident is ridiculously terrifying. Um, the stuff made of nightmares, man, if, if, if you're an opposing coach. Trying to stop those three is just not something I would want to try and draw up a game plan for. I just knock on Pep's office and be like, so I looked at this and decided I couldn't do it. And <laughs> but that's why they get paid the big bucks and I don't. Um, but but I think that you can win elsewhere. I think that Iniesta, as good of a player as he is, I think he's slowed down a bit. I don't think he's as quick to the ball as he once was. He still glides uh you know, like Iniesta always does, has, and will. Uh, I, I think that Barca also... You know, the, the big thing for Barca that I thought... That their biggest acquisition, I thought, was Samuel Umtiti. Yeah, that's... I, I can agree with that. Um, you know, the thing about Barca is they, they already have so much. Mm-hmm. They don't need a, They don't need a lot. Um, they have pretty much seamlessly replaced um, their the aging guys like like Javi, and they just brought in Rakitic, and that was the end of that. They didn't need to do anything. Nope. Um, and now they've got Dina for when you know Messi gets old, and Dina's supposed to be the next great Italian striker, and and you know. Mark andre Ter Stegen, who's supposed to be the next big thing in goalkeeping. Like, the, the, there's a reason that Manchester City modeled their entire everything after what Barcelona does. is because at the end of the day, you want to have options like that. And City are sort of stuck in the twixt of all of that. You know, they're, they're not 
able to have all of those options, but man, when you look up front come January or come even the the, the start of next year, the scoring options that City are going to have are going to be legitimately terrifying. If they decide to bring back Moreno, if they decide to bring back Yunal, if they decide to bring, you know they're going to have Jesus there. I think that guy's ready now. Um but you bring these players in, and, and, and it's absurd what they'll have up front. The problems still, un, until until we get to see an ample amount of Alexi Garcia, or Alex Garcia, excuse me, I really don't know. Wow, there you go, Pogba. Uh, I don't know what uh, what you do about a center defensive mid. Because I think you waste Fernandinho in that position. He plays it, and he plays it very well, but at the same time, I feel like he's wasted in that position because he offers so much more going forward. Yeah, and I think the case could be made that Gundogan was earmarked for that role, and they haven't used him there because Fernandinho's been so good at it. I don't know where they go next, but um, yeah... It's 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 still sort of a it it is still a work in progress. We said that um, uh, they seem to have the attack you know mostly squared away or getting close to being squared away. They have a clear idea of what they want up there. Everything else comes next, and I think we're going to see a lot of things being addressed in the next summer transfer window. But you look at Barca and you look at City and you think, well. One is trying to get close to there, and maybe they will. You know, it wouldn't shock me. I think they're well on their way. But one is already there. You know, yeah. it's the it's it's the project against the finished product. Mm-hmm. And even now, we're not on that level. There's no two no. ways about it. We're not on that level. The academy is getting there. The academy. I mean, you look up the the scores that the city academy players are posting up against other teams, and it's not even. Look, man, I don't even know what to tell you about some of those scores. Like, who the hell was it that they beat 29 to 1? Like, what the? You know, that's like playing a game of FIFA on amateur when you're, like, the world champion. You know, I mean, uh, the talent, there's so much talent in, in, in the youth development system of Manchester City at every single level. It's getting there. It's getting there. But it's going to take time, literally. These players have to get older. So I think in the interim, the only real options that you have, and and, and I say this, I sincerely believe that Manchester City, and and I say this, trying to figure out how to say this, because everybody says this, like, but I sincerely believe that if City want to make a run at things at, at every possible level, they need to make some moves in the transfer window. Whether it's just bringing in one of the two fullback positions, because I think you can get a buy with playing Kolarov and Clichy if you're somehow able to secure Bellerin. Now, you can't use him for the, the, the Champions League, but if you have Bellerin, then it makes your Premier League job a lot easier, and it also helps save players like uh, Bakari, Sonia, and Zabaleta for the much, much bigger games, which could work out a little bit better. 
Um, I don't know what they do, but I, it seems clear to me that City had need to do some business in January of some type regarding the defense. I, I can honestly say I do not think that this defense is good enough to win the Premier League with the rate that I'm seeing other teams score. Tottenham picked them apart. I dread to see what Liverpool and their gagging pressing will do. Um, just because they have some tremendously adept players in that squad, and the addition of Sadio Mane has just opened up a world of, of opportunities for Liverpool. It's made Firmino better. It's made Coutinho better. Um, it's made a lot of their players better. And, and I... I still think City are probably largely considered the favorites to win the, the, the Premier League based on that, but I just, they're not done really. Like, I, I would not at all be shocked if they didn't get out of this group in the Champions League. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't know about the group. I think, I still think they'll get out of the group. I agree that dropping the points at Celtic was a big deal that they might come to regret. That said, you know, the other thing I would keep in mind is that City just aren't going to compromise on their transfer targets, which means if they can't get them in January, they're not going to do something just for the sake of doing something. Um, You know, I don't think you're getting Bellerin in January. Um, I don't know who else is on their list of targets. I'm sure they have one. I have no doubt that they already have one drawn up. But... They're not going to go out and do something for the sake of doing something if it's not a player that they think does that they think fits what they're trying to do, and therein lies you know both the good and the bad in their approach. It's like they know exactly what they want and they're not going to compromise on it, which is great if you get those guys. But until you get those guys, what do you do? And, 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 and the thing that about that is, is I haven't really been encouraged by City's approach to that because in the past couple transfer windows, they've had these targets that they were set to get. And how many targets did they whiff on? They got most of them last time. The, the, eh. miss, the big miss was Laporte. Everything. No, no, they missed on Benucci. They missed on Laporte. They needed another right back. But they never were really in for another right back. Depending on what you believe. Yeah, and, and, and I think that I believe Pep Guardiola knew he needed a left and a right back. Like, how can you not look at that squad and, and look at what you have and say, okay, I feel confident that I can win the... Like, all they brought in to bolster the defense was stones. That's it. Right. Um, and I do think... It wasn't good enough. Well, I think the pro- the problem is they never got that second center back, which I think that everything was predicated on them getting Laporte, and when they didn't, they didn't really know what else to do. Um, and that's that's the problem. That's the problem with me, is if you've set out your list of things, if this is what we want, then you need to have not just A, but you need to have... 1A, 1B, 1C, 1D, saying, okay, these are all guys that would work on our system. I absolutely refuse to believe that Laporte and Bellerin are the only two uh, left fullbacks in the world that can play in, in Guardiola's system. Just refuse to believe it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, and 
I, I, I guess I see what you're getting at, but I, I feel like, um, it looks worse now, now that they have played sketchy for a couple games, I guess. Um, and I guess that the, the point I would, I would, I would make is, is that I find it really hard to believe that there's, that they're stupid enough to not have backup plans. Maybe this summer was sort of the center back, the way the center back thing went down this summer, it was obviously left a lot to be desired, but mm. I find it hard to believe that when they go into the market for fullbacks, which I believe firmly that they will do next summer, if not sooner, um, they, I find it impossible to believe that they're not going to have lists, not just it's you or nothing. I don't think that's going to happen, especially once Guardiola has seen had a whole full season to watch these guys play and really know who cuts it and who doesn't. Yeah, I, 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 I understand your sentiment, but I look at Guardiola and I know how prepared this guy is. I know how much this guy watches. I know how much this guy reads, researches, follows, and uh, just dives in to the projects he agrees to to take part in. So it seems curious to me that Guardiola didn't place a higher need on the fullback situation come fall. Yeah. I mean, also, I'm just not sure that strengthening this team once a year is... Like, look, man, even Barca go out in, 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 in the middle of windows and they'll drag someone in and you're like, hmm, that was an odd selection. Why did they bring him in? And then three months later, you're like, damn, okay. You know, it's just, I, how did a guy like Umtiti get past, you know, he was never even brought up. Yeah, I don't so know. You're telling, you're telling me he's good enough to play center back for Barcelona, which you have to be good with your feet, and you have to be good at build-up play. He's good enough to play center back at Barcelona, but somehow or another, he never made it on the roster, never made it on City's wish list, never even was written about. I don't know. I just, I feel like there were a lot of insistent whiffs. I want this guy. I think this guy should have this. You know, and it's just, I, I there is frustration with the way City have conducted their business. Okay, yeah. That's that's fair. That's absolutely fair. And we've not talked about Barca at all. No, not really. Um, the thing is, I don't really know what, what, to, what to say. It just feels like... It, well, Pep Guardiola targeted three points. Yeah, well, I you know, I'm sure that's what he's going to say, but I don't know... Um, you know, they're going to have to have a heck of a game plan for this. Because the last time they got pushed very intensely by a team of comparable quality, we saw what happened. Um, that I'm speaking, of course, of Tottenham. Barca are better than Tottenham. So, you know, I'm not sure. I My hope is that he learned something from that game, but as we said in the previous podcast, there are certain players that I don't know how far you can take them in this team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I have a difficult time seeing them really pulling anything from this game. I think 
that frankly they will be want to get something out of the home game much more. I think anything they get here, you know, on one hand they need all the points they can get. So I don't want to sit here and say anything they get out of this will be a bonus because they're not really in a position to take bonuses or what have you. This is not we're not there anymore. If they had won the Celtic game, yes, but not this gets really difficult from here on out. So I think a point would be great. Um, not only because it keeps Barca from getting three points, but it's just where I don't I don't know what you, what if you ex- feel any more optimistic about this game than I do. Uh, I didn't feel optimistic about okay. this game at all. Yeah, and that's that's the problem that that I that I have. It's just, it feels like our defenders, whoever we put out there, are just not going to be able to cope with Barca. And I hope I'm wrong. But this feels like a performance that we will leave empty-handed with. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I'm hoping for out of this is, look, if Manuel Pellegrini can nearly pull a draw with Barcelona had Javier Mascherano not tipped off Ter Stegen as to which way Aguero was going. That could have been a 1-1 at the camp now. If 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 Manuel Pellegrini can pull that off, then I expect that Guardiola can. Look, if he can limit Barcelona's opportunity to get points, then that makes his job a lot easier too, you know? Yeah, I think that's a big consideration. If they drop points here, you know, they're feeling a bit more... The, the, the game at home gets a lot more important, too. And mm-hmm. they will have De Bruyne, which makes me feel a little tiny bit better. Um, but... How do you think he played coming back off of injury? I'm curious. Uh, yeah. yeah, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't think he was bad. I didn't, you know... I just don't think he was at a sharpest, not the De Bruyne. That's exactly, or... Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, which I think is why they did play him because they didn't want that. They wanted to get that poor get that out, out of the way there. before the really big game. Yeah, um, I think that was definitely part of consideration because I don't think they expected him to be perfectly sharp. Sort of like getting yourself off before the girl of your dreams comes over, so you're not a two pump chump. <laughs> That's 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 my crass analogy for the day. There you go. Um, but I, you know, I here's what I would say about Barca, man. They they're not at their best, and I know that Marty Perrineau had said on on the Mothership podcast he believes this version of Barca is better than two years ago. I don't. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, it feels like they haven't peaked, I guess. It, it feel, They feel like a team that hasn't quite hit their stride either um, at any point, because they've dropped some points in La Liga. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not going to get expectations or hopes up for this game, but... I'm looking forward to it in the sense of where are we at? Because the first benchmark of that was was Spurs, and obviously we learned that we are not where we need to be yet. 
And I fear that we'll learn the same thing here, but at the same time, you know, what better, where's, where are you going to get a better idea than Barca at Barca, the new camp? You're, you're not, you're not. So I'm not optimistic, but I am curious if I can put it that way. Yeah, you can definitely put it that way. Um, I, I think that that's, you know, I, I'm not optimistic, but I, 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 I do think it will be every time Guardiola's faced Barca, they've been interesting and enjoyable games. Have they not? They have. And I, I expect that he's I just, not, yeah. he's not done the best against no. him, but I can't think of anyone other than Diego Simeone who has. I expect it'll be a fun game, if nothing else. I don't know if we'll win, but I don't think we'll win. But I expect it'll be, it'll be something. It'll be a spectacle. I'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, I don't really have anything else to add. I, I, I wish I could be more optimistic about it, but you know, you look at you look at how the things are going, and it's just sort of you know, war work in progress. And I, I guess we'll see how in pro, how hard the progress is going, but. Everything about this just doesn't feel great for for me, at least. Yeah, I, I mean, where where Barca? Who did Barca play? Uh, they played Real Betis, right? Wasn't it? They beat them four 0 Sounds right. Um, yeah, they 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 have they just oh it was a uh, Deportivo. Deportivo, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah, the game yeah. before that, before the international break, they shipped four to Celta Vigo and lost four three. Yeah. Um, and it, it, at times against Gladbach, it sort they they were huffing and puffing a bit. So, which I thought, did you? I don't know if you caught Pep Guardiola's answer to like the the the, the question at the press conference where the dude asked him like. You know the you know with all these other leagues where uh, where you know how come would you say that the quality is not as good the toughness isn't as good and uh, uh, Pep's like you know he takes a minute to collect his thoughts which is like classic Pep and then he levels out a response saying you know. The impression here is that you guys think these other leagues aren't as physical, but I'm here to tell you that in Bundesliga it's, oof. and you know he's like, and if and if and if you know La Liga wasn't so good, then please explain to me why Spanish teams have been you know in the finals and the semifinals of the last you know eight or so Champions League finals, you, you know, the European Cups. Like, you look at Sevilla, you look at Atletico Madrid, you look at Real, you look at Barca. You know, the argument could could easily be made that the Premier League think more of themselves than, than they ought to. Right now, if you were ranking the difficulty of the leagues, I would probably put the Premier League... I think if you took the best team in the Premier League and put them in La Liga, they would finish fourth. Fair. Um, so yeah, I mean, I did, I did see that. Present. Yeah, I did see that answer, and I, I thought it was interesting because I think there is a sense of superiority in the Premier League because they attract, you know, the best players, they attract the best coaches at this point. But do they make the best teams? I don't know. Um, 
I get, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. So, I don't think Guardiol is in fear or anything like that. But, or at, at all. I've never thought that. Um, so, I, I guess, um, I guess we can wrap this up by, by you know. Well, I want to ask ahead. you a couple questions. No, go here. ahead. No. Oh, okay. A, a, a couple of things. First of all, we've talked about our negativity, but I, you know, I don't want this to be all negative. How can City win this game? Because Barcelona have proven they can be beat. So how can City pull it off if they're to do it? Get at them. I mean, I, it sounds easy, but, you know, I think you just have to go at them um, and try to win the battle of the midfield. Um Try, try, try to get the ball up. Get at their defense. That's, I think, the, that's the only way. Um, if you try to sit back, I think we're going to be picked apart. Um, if, and I, I don't know how much control we'll get. Um, I don't think we're ever going to get total control. And I don't know that we need total control. But I just think you have to find a way to go at that team and get it, get at them, test their keeper. Test Ter Stegen. Um, you, I, I don't think they can afford to sit back. I think that's your path. Um, I think that's the best you can hope for. Um, and I do think that's what they'll try to do. You know, if they if they get outplayed, they get outplayed. But I think that's your path. I think that the quickest way to unsettle Barcelona is in theory what I think you were saying. You need to come at them straight from the outset. You that's need to exactly be the team that swarms them. You need and to get, try, get on the board yeah. get on the board with one or two goals before they have the chance. You need to, to try to grab them by the neck. And I say try because I don't know if they'll be able to do it. But you need to try to grab them by the neck before they can grab you. And you need to kick Lionel Messi's legs out. <laughs> yeah. Don't get nutmegged. You know, if if you need to have plenty of substitutes ready in case of yellow cards, but I think the quickest way I hate this too. I hate saying this, but I do think there's an element of truth to it. Barcelona remind me of of the the Spain team that won the 2010 World Cup, and when they got to the final against the Dutch, everyone was complaining about the Dutch and the way they played. But you know what? The Dutch damn near won that game. If Robin doesn't suck, uh, and I'm Dutch, so, you know, I'll just go ahead and say that and let anybody else who's Dutch come at me with that one. Uh, but if Robin doesn't suck it up on, 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 on his, on his opportunity, uh, Netherlands win that game 1-0. Correct. Because at that time, Barcelona were nowhere near direct. Everything required about a billion passes for them to put it in the net. So if the Netherlands come at them and get that goal, it's over. And I think that so, too, you could say the same about Barcelona. You attack them, you get physical with them. They're a bit more diminutive. They tend to get frustrated easy. The biggest person you can go after is Neymar, because if he's completely off his game, then the rest of the team suffers. Um, I don't really think that there's much you can do. I mean, you can piss off Suarez, 
But I have to say, I think Luis Suarez has become a different person since the biting incident. I truly do. And people will still despise him, especially because of the racist things he said in the past. Fair play. But I do think he's become a different person. I think he's become a bit more even-tempered. I think Suarez has become more focused on what he can do with his feet rather than what he can do with his mouth, his his teeth, or whatever else. We've seen a reinvention of Suarez that honestly could put him up there. I, I would put him ahead of Cristiano Ronaldo as the second best player in the world at this moment. Yeah, I think Barca's been really good for Luis Suarez. I think it's also taken oh. it's taken some a lot of pressure off him too. It has um, because he was the focal yeah, point at Liverpool. Liverpool, and even with Uruguay, it's all on him. Um, that's not the case at, at Barcelona, and I think that's helped him immensely. Um, Which is really weird because Uruguay actually has a semi decent team. Yeah, but you know it's still. <laughs> It, 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 when you have a player like that, I guess you're inclined to uh, to pin to uh, put a lot of the weight on him. Um, mm. What else did you have? Um, I did want to ask you. So, if if you were going to devise a tactical game plan, I know you said come right at them, but if you were going to devise a tactical game plan, not so much a lineup, though you can toss in who you would play if you'd like. How would you set up against Barca? What would be the ideal situation for you against a team with that much power? Would you stack the midfield? Would you put five at the back? You know, would you play like a five-four-one, a four-one-four-one? What what would be your preferred formation against them? And is there somebody you feel should definitely get a nod, even if it's somebody that maybe is a little bit off the beaten path? I don't really feel like strongly about anyone in particular. I think at a certain point you sort of have to stick with what you know and who you know is good. At the same time, um, I'm playing four at the back, and I'm just trying to get as many bodies in the midfield as I can. I think that's where Nolito will be so important. Um and I think that's why they rested him, or, you know, what rested, what have you. They didn't start him at the weekend. Um, I think he's the linchpin here. You need him, um, because if you put your usual three in the midfield, and then you, you sort of have Lido run back there and help. I think you, it, part of that physicality and part of that going at them is you have to try to crowd them out um, and, and go at them. So I think you need... To have the four, the four at the back, I would play the four at the back, and I would just get it as, as much as as much in the midfield as you can get away with. I don't know if it'll work, but I think you have to clog things up at least. If you cannot play, you have to try to at least slow them down, throw them some speed bumps, if nothing else. Fair enough. And my second question, or one of my final questions, comes to you, and I'm kind of ditching out on the Barca game here, but I'm coming back to Everton and and sort of that 3-2-2-3 formation. Is that something that you wouldn't mind seeing on occasion from Pep Guardiola in the Premier League? Because 
the 3-4-3 for Conti is working really well, but then again, Conti has spent the vast majority of his life playing in a 3 with with three at the back. Has, I it, mean, has it been working really well? Because up before that Leicester game, there was talk about Chelsea are not playing well. Yeah, but I think that's because the team have have had to settle into a new system. Um, and and you know when when Conti is sitting there, look, you you must either know that it's bullshit or have a strong indication that it's bullshit if you're going to give the press a comment like. I'm laughing off the suggestion that Abramovich is going to fire me. Like, if you actually use those words, then I really honestly do feel that, like, you must have confidence from Abramovich. Yeah. Because that's a really bold thing to say about a guy with a hair trigger, uh, 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 you know, for firing people. I I agree completely. Um, As to your question, I don't, I wouldn't throw it out the window. Um, I think it could be deployed in certain circumstances, um, depending on personnel and the like. Um, it was interesting, you know. I think it could catch teams off guard in certain aspects. So I would keep it. I wouldn't rely on it, but I would keep it. When say would you deploy it? Um, I would. I think. I think if you're facing a team that. That that is, I think frankly they just need to get more men forward. They didn't have enough guys forward. Like we said, the, the crosses were good, um, but there was no one at the end of them. I think if you're dealing with a situation where you need to push up a little more, I think you can get away with that. Um, so I, I I think that Everton came with a good game plan. I I think, but if you deploy that against a lesser team, that sort of parking the bus and doesn't have the counter-attacking ability that, that the Everton team that was set up had, I think you can win with that. And I think they could have won with it on Saturday. It's going to be interesting as hell to see how everything unfolds with this team moving forward. I just quickly, before we move on, want to take a look at the upcoming fixture list, uh, and then we can kind of sort of close out since we don't have any uh, listener questions for I've this said, week. I've said my piece, so go ahead. Yeah, uh, basically after this, you've got Southampton and then another Derby. So I think Southampton gives you another chance to maybe rest a player or two, as does West Brom. Uh, the, the fixture list is set up right nicely for Manchester City in these games. Now, I'll grant you that Everton was probably a bit tougher of an opponent uh, than these other will be, but if you're going to go from Barca to anybody, Southampton's not a bad grab. And then once you play United, getting a team like West Brom on the bounce before Barca, also not a bad get. And then getting Middlesbrough right after Barca is something, you, you know, these are favorable. Uh, and it is apparent, apparently the referee announced for Manchester City and Barca is Milorad Mazic, who is a Serb. Not that I know anything at all I about know him. Nothing at all. We'll see how it goes. Indeed, indeed. So, um, yeah, 
at halftime, it is 0-0 between Everton or between Liverpool and Man United. So there's that. Uh, that is good news for City fans who do not want to see uh, drop them uh, points. Both of yeah. you drop them points. Everyone drop. Yeah. Everyone drop all the points. Exactly. Um, if you have a last word, floor is open. My last word is last word. Perfect. In that case, we are City Watch's American Citizens. You can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. Um, you can yell at us. You can insult us. You can do whatever you'd like with us, but we will. Re- we are on Twitter there. Um, the podcast itself can be subscribed to on iTunes, so check us out there if you haven't already. Um, we're also available and sponsored by Blog Talk Radio. And... Um, that's all we got. We'll be back after the Barcelona game with Joe, I believe, who wants to be on. So stay tuned for that. Um, but we'll be back later in the week with a Barcelona recap, and hopefully it won't be too much of a calamity. Um, for Josh, I'm Gray. This has been City Watch's American Citizens. Thanks for listening as usual. We'll talk to you again later in the week.